Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Welcome back, Raider Nation, and let's go. This is Just Pod Baby. I am Evan Grote, and we are brought to you by SportsNot.com. I hope everyone out there is doing well. It's been a while since we last spoke. I'm, I'm back this week uh, following uh, some time off. Been a little busy with the family, baseball, flag football, uh, end of the you know wrapping up the end of the school year activities, that kind of thing. Also had a bout with COVID. Yes, it finally got me. Um, only a mild case for me though. Um, feeling much better now. And I, I do want to thank those of you that reached out to me and, and asked how I was doing. But like I said, we are here now with a brand new show for you. And a lot has happened since the last time we spoke. There's a, there's been a couple of trades. Jarrett Stidham was added through a trade. That move makes a lot of sense due to his background in New England. And uh, so there is some more competition now for the backup quarterback job with Nick Mullins. Brian Edwards was shipped out to the Atlanta Falcons after two seasons for a fifth-round pick. Edwards was looking like the odd man out with all the additions that were made uh, to the wide receiver uh, position uh, this offseason. Uh, So he moves on to the Atlanta Falcons, where he should have every opportunity now to compete for a large role. Other news since I've been away, uh, just last week we got word that Colin Kaepernick was worked out by the Raiders. That received a lot of attention, not only with local media in Las Vegas, but also nationally, uh, obviously. um, Sounds like it was a a good workout, but reports are that a contract is not imminent at this time, so stay tuned for more information on that. Voluntary OTAs are now underway as well. We got... A chance to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels last week, as well as um, as well as a couple of players like Max Crosby. Uh, it's really good to have some some on the field football activities now because it means we are inching closer to training camp getting started in July. And although we're not getting a lot of reports uh, because I, I don't believe there's a whole lot of media availability um, other than the one that took place last week, we're not getting a lot of information, but it does mean we're getting closer and closer to the real thing. The other big news while I was away was the release of the 2022 schedule. And that is where we're going to be spending the majority of our time this week. We will go through and dissect the games. And I will ask you this question right now. And you can think about it as we're talking here. And and, and we'll, we'll discuss this a little bit more in segment two. The futures win total right now for the Raiders, I, I, I took a look, it's 8.5. That is the over-under number. I'm sure you've seen the number by now, and I'm sure that you've put some thought into that number. Will the Raiders go over or under 8.5 wins? I think the number from last year was 7, 7.5. Uh, maybe it got up to 8. So Las Vegas, the, the, the casinos... Um, think that the Raiders will be slightly improved this year. And I'm sure many of you are thinking eight and a half seems a little bit low with the additions of Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones and Josh McDaniels as the new head coach. But that is the number right now. 
Uh, the Raiders did hit the over last season, winning 10 games. I predicted nine and eight at the beginning of the season. So I was uh, wrong about that. Uh, I will make a prediction as I do every year, but we're going to hold off on that uh, until late August, uh, early September. I want to see some preseason football. I want to see training camp. We'll see where things stand here uh, later on in the summer. Uh, so that gets us uh, caught up there on on the big news from the last couple of weeks. And and now that the table has been set, let's go ahead and, and take an in-depth look at the schedule. And I will share with you some of my thoughts on that schedule. And at first glance, I, I think it's fair to say they will be tested very early on uh, this season, right out of the gate in the first five weeks of the season. Uh, they will they will go on the road, and some may argue it's not exactly a, a true road game, but they do go to Los Angeles to face the the Chargers in Week One, followed by a home game versus the Arizona Cardinals at Tennessee in Week Three, um, and then it's um, a Denver team in Week Four that should be much improved, uh, and then back on the road again at Kansas City in Week Five. So three division matchups very early on in the first five weeks of the season. And that should give us a a really good idea of where the Raiders stack up in a division that many believe, you know, could be the best in football. I think when you look at the matchup with the Cardinals and the Titans, these games look a, a, a bit more promising when you consider a couple things here with the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins will not be available in week two due to the suspension. Uh, of course, Chandler Jones is no longer with the Cardinals. He's going to be chasing down Kyler Murray as a Raider now. And um, they did add Hollywood Brown through a draft day trade. They also drafted uh, Trey McBride, the top tight end in this year's draft class. So there are still plenty of weapons on that offense. Um, and then in Tennessee, A.J. Brown, their top target, or Ryan Tannehill's top target, was traded to Philadelphia, also on a draft night trade. So you look at that offense in Tennessee, and, and, and the pass-catching weapons look a little scarce right now. Um, they do still have Derrick Henry, who is one of the top backs in the NFL. As long as Derrick Henry is healthy and ready to go, I would expect I would expect that to be a tough game. You know, they're very well-coached. Um, with with Vrabel, and they always seem to be competitive under him. Um, tough defensively, just a hard nosed team, and they were the top seeded team in the AFC a year ago, with without Derrick Henry for a majority of that season because he did suffer an injury. So um, it's going to be important for the Raiders to get a couple of wins in those first five games. You know, you don't want to get off to a slow start, have to play catch up, playing from behind all you know all season long. Again, the division is much improved. Now, the bye week comes in week six. It's not the most ideal time of the year for a bye, especially with the extended 17-game season this year. Or uh, now, I shouldn't say this year. They had it last year as well. But uh, they will get some rest time after what looks like a, a tough start uh, to the season and, and to their schedule. Now, in week seven through ten, there are some games here that I'm considering must-win games or games that you have to have, including one against the Houston Texans off the bye week in week seven, and then a road game in Jacksonville in week nine. These are games that you have to win, and these are also games, though, when you look back in the past couple of seasons, these types of games have given the Raiders problems. Think back to 2019 when the Raiders lost uh, must-have games to the Jets and the Jaguars, who were both bad teams that year. I don't know their records at the time when they played, but they were, those were games that you know the Raiders had to win. 
And in that season, they finished seven and nine. It was the difference between a nine and seven and a seven and nine, possibly a playoff berth. I'd have to go back and look closer, but um, you know, games you got to have. In 2020, they lost a bad one to the Atlanta Falcons. I'm sure you all recall that game, 43 to six. It was it was a brutal loss. Uh, one of the worst performances I have seen from this team in, in many, many years. And then in 2021, uh, they had the game against the Bears where they lost, the Washington football team they lost, and then also the Giants game they lost. And, and so those were three games that, you know, on paper, the Raiders were the better team, just were not able to get it done on the field. Now, interestingly uh, enough, uh, I was doing some thinking about those games, and I went back and looked Four of those five losses came on the road. So I thought that was interesting. Um, not going to look too much into that, but you know there is something to be said about that. Um, you know, the margin of error, it, it could be razor thin in the AFC West division. And if you want to make the playoffs, you're going to have to take care of business against those two teams, the Jaguars and, and the Texans. Now, also in that four-week span, is a week eight road game at New Orleans, which is a difficult place to play. Uh, you all know that. It's an East Coast game, early start time. And say what you will about the Saints, new head coach in the mix. It looks like Jameis Winston is going to be back under center for them. This is not a gimme, not by any means. They have a very good defense. They added Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, offensive tackle Trevor Penning, in round one of the draft, who uh, both of those guys should step right in from day one and make an impact. The question for the Saints on offense is going to be Elvin Kamara. He has some legal legal issues that he is dealing with. I believe he got in a fight, maybe some kind of assault charges. I, I don't know the details of that, but he could be in for a lengthy uh, suspension. Um, so that is going to be something to monitor there. And, and then the final point about the Saints, and I've already mentioned a new head coach. I know Sean Payton is no longer calling the plays, and that's going to be a big factor. Don't get me wrong. But a year ago, the Saints started 5-2 and two with Winston under center uh, before he suffered that torn ACL, I believe it was. And they beat some really good teams in, in that seven game, uh, or I should, should say, of those five wins. They beat some good teams, the Packers, the Patriots, and the Buccaneers. So I think that will definitely be a hard game. And then in Week 10, Matt Ryan and the Colts come to Las Vegas, and the Colts were knocking on the door of the playoffs last year, but uh, late-season losses to the Raiders and the Jaguars ended their hopes. What kind of difference Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan makes in the passing game will go a long way in the success of the Colts this season, at least offensively, and and that's in my opinion. Um, you know how much Carson Wentz kind of held back that offense. They've got a stud running back in Jonathan Taylor, but they were not able to get it done on a consistent basis through the air last year. Then they went out and added a another young uh, receiver in the draft, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. He's a bigger target. He's a fast receiver. He, he'll join up with Michael Pittman, another guy with some size. It's going to be interesting to see what Matt Ryan has left in the tank. Um, From everything I've been hearing, he seems to be kind of rejuvenated now, now that he's on this new team, kind of have a new new lease on life here. Defensively, they have some playmakers. Kenny Moore II, Darius Leonard, Buckner. They they added Yanni Kangakaway through trade. So they're going to be competitive on defense. 
as well. And then that takes us right up to about Thanksgiving in week 11. And I want to point this out because I think it's worth noting that they play at Denver um, for the second time, followed by a game at Seattle in week 12. And that is four road games in five weeks. You know, just something to keep an eye on. They, Like I said, I mentioned at New Orleans, at Jacksonville. Then they come home to face the Colts. And then two more road games um, at Denver and Seattle. So that could be a tough stretch there. I know there's the, competitively the teams on paper don't seem competitive. But again, four out of those five games on the road. So uh, appears to be some winnable games there. But the travel is something that could be tough to deal with. It doesn't get any easier uh, entering the month of December, starting with the Chargers at home on the road versus the Super Bowl champion uh, Los Angeles Rams. Week 15 home game versus the Patriots, which should be an interesting game as uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels face their former team for the first time. And the month of December ends with a road game in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve. Weather could be a factor in that one. This is a really tough stretch of games. All four teams uh, should be uh, pushing for playoff spots uh, this year. New England has suffered some losses this year to the not only the coaching staff, but uh, through free agency, you know, in turnover as well in free agency. So it's it's really difficult to kind of forecast them at this point. And Pittsburgh is another team that you know is kind of a wild card, uh, hard to get a grasp on them at this point uh, because of the unknown at quarterback. Will it be Mitchell Trubisky or rookie Kenneth? Pitt? Kenny Pickett uh, under center late in the season in December. So that that makes it tough to kind of figure out what they're going to do. They got plenty of weapons uh, at wide receiver. They got a young tight end. They got a very good running back in Najee Harris. Um, And you know one thing they're going to do. They're going to play good defense. Um, I mentioned Najee Harris. They can run the ball with him. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. You know, very well coached with Mike Tomlin, one of the model franchises in the league very consistent, always always in the mix. And so you know that's going to be a competitive game. I would expect this year to be no different. And then the season wraps up with two games in January, both games at home, which should bode well. Should they you know, have some playoff implications and should they be games that the Raiders have to have? Both games coming against very good teams who played in conference championships from a year ago, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know... To kind of wrap this all up and put a bow on it, I think this the year starts out with a you know a really good test in the first five weeks of the season and ends with a really brutal six game sequence. On paper, right now the schedule looks hard. I think it looks tough. We'll get into some more of the strength of schedule numbers in segment number two, um, but. You know, it's really hard right now to, to find more than four games that you can circle right now and say, uh, you know, as we sit here in June, to say, you know, that's an automatic win. And and I know nothing's a guaranteed in the NFL. It's very much a, a week-to-week league, but um, very tough right now to sit here and, and pick out, you know, those gimme wins. Um, I do also see, just a side note, there are four primetime games, including three in a row from weeks 13 to 15. Uh, you know how I feel about primetime games. <laughs> but uh, there you have it. We will discuss the schedule more in segment number two, specifically whether or not the Raiders will hit that over uh, number of eight and a half wins 
that Vegas uh, sports books have set for them. We're touching on a bunch of different topics here this week. Uh, I'm going to step aside now, get to a quick break, get that out of the way. More still to do here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. Don't go anywhere. There's, we've been moving them around a little bit. Um, you know, each one of the guys up front, you know, we've got some guys playing center and guard. We've got some pl- guys playing on the right side and the left side. Uh, we've got some guys playing tackle and guard. So, um, you know, there's, there was a little bit more of a focus of, of that today for him. But, um, you know, ultimately we're going to try to figure out who the best five are that can give us the best chance of success every play. Um, and, and he's certainly working his butt off right now to try to, uh, try to you know, give us the right stuff wherever we put him. And today it so happened, like you said, it was more at right tackle. So um, I like his attitude. I like what he's doing. Um, I like that whole, that whole group just works. You know, they, they come to work every day um they don't really say a whole lot and and they grind it out so and welcome back to just pod baby after some time off the last couple of weeks glad to be back behind the mic and there you heard from new head coach josh mcdaniels last week when he spoke with uh media during otas he was asked about alex leatherwood um and the reason i play that audio for you is because alex leatherwood of course is a big piece of the puzzle along that offensive line where he will play in 2022 is something that we all have been wondering we want to know the answer to that it's very early on in this offseason process right now we can only report on the things that we are hearing and seeing from otas and and right now that's alex leatherwood taking reps at right tackle uh again the the media that was at practice last week Saw him playing more right tackle. Uh, I played the audio just now from Josh McDaniels when he was asked about that. That was the case again this week when Carmen Brasilio, new offensive line coach, he met with the media this week and he was asked about Alex Leatherwood as well. And and his answer was very much similar to what McDaniels had to say. Um, A lot about moving him around the cross training that is going to be going on with these uh, linemen and, and, you know, having them prepare for injuries. It's, you know, you have to be multiple. So, um, but as of now, it does sound like Alex Leatherwood is, is um, taking a lot more reps at right tackle. Now the ultimate goal, as McDaniel said last week is just putting the best five guys out there on Sundays. And you know, that all sounds great. That coach talk. And I do believe there's something to that being able to play multiple positions because when you can only dress seven offensive linemen on a Sunday and you, and you have an injury, you need to have guys who can hop in there and play different positions. But we're talking about Alex Leatherwood here now, uh, a former first round pick 17th overall, and, you know, although that pick was made under different leadership, there is no doubt that this coaching staff needs to try to salvage him, at least for, you know, another year or two to see what they can get out of him. And I believe that you best maximize his value by having him play right tackle. And he doesn't have to become an all pro. Obviously, that would be great, but he just cannot be a liability out there like he was last season. So I do believe the plan is... um is right tackle. That is where they would love to see him make a home for himself, a permanent home. That would allow them to have some flexibility at right guard, whether it's Denzel Good, um, where I believe you know he, he's a much better fit um, at guard than he is at tackle. And if they, you know, if they do, however, feel that Leatherwood 
can't cut it on the outside. You know, perhaps they want to keep him inside at guard where he finished up the year last year. You have a couple of other options uh, at right tackle, uh, Brandon Parker being one of them. He was re-signed. Um, you know, he did play many games. He had many starts at right tackle last year. Denzel Good, I just mentioned him, uh, another uh, a guy who has some experience playing right tackle. Uh, I do believe he's better. He's a better fit on the inside. And then I think you have to at least throw Thayer Munford Jr.'s name into the conversation as well. The seventh round pick uh, in this year's draft played um, all along the offensive line at Ohio State, but many feel he uh, is at his best at tackle. So those are a couple guys to keep an eye on should it not work out with Leatherwood. And I also want to mention Dylan Parham again. Um, yeah. By the way, if you haven't listened to my the the previous episode of the podcast where I interviewed his offensive line coach, please go back and do so. It was a really good, uh, really good information there. So make sure you check that out. But I, I do believe Dylan Parham should make some noise for one of the spots uh, along the offensive line, whether that's at center. Um, you know, I, I think eventually the long-term play for Parham would be at center to replace or even take Andre James's job. But if not there, he's more than capable of, uh, of playing guard as well. And, and so, you know, we're talking a little bit about the offensive line here and all of this discussion kind of leads me to, um, the next topic that I wanted to mention here in segment two, and that is we are now past the date of June 1st, which freed up some money. Uh, for the team with those post-June 1st cuts that they had. Uh, and according to uh, SportTrack.com, and I'm, I'm not, I believe this is updated numbers here I'm looking at, the Raiders have now uh, $22 million available should they decide to make uh, an addition here to the roster, You know, maybe add another tackle. That's the one that many people continue to point to. Um, bring in a guy, the popular name out there is Darrell Williams, who played with the Bills the last couple of seasons, only 29 years old. He did sign a big contract with Buffalo just a couple years ago, but they decided to terminate that contract a little bit early, so he hits the market. And, you know, to be honest, th- there isn't a huge market right now for right tackles, but one of the other names that I that I did come across is Brian Balaga. He's out there, 33 years old, and he's played some very good football throughout his career, but has recently dealt with some injuries. And if I may throw a third name out there for you, uh, I'm going to say Marcus Cannon. Now, I don't know exactly what type of football he's playing. I'm not really following his career closely. And I know that he's up there in age. I believe he's 34 years old, but he did play five seasons in New England. So there is that connection there to uh, Ziegler and uh, McDaniels. Now, as I said earlier, I I believe the Raiders think that their right tackle is already in the building. So I do not expect a move at this point. I really don't. And there's really no need to make a move at this point. They they, they don't need to panic right now. Sit tight. Um, we'll, let's see what happens come training camp time. Maybe one of these guys emerges. Maybe there's a surprise cut. And if you sit tight, hold on to some of that money, you'll be able, you'll be able to make a competitive offer to one of these guys that may... Um, become available. Now, there's a couple other positions that could still use an upgrade as well. Uh, Many believe strong safety as well as linebacker. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I got those two topics out of the way before we wrap it up here with our our final discussion uh, of this week. And and it is what I discussed at the beginning of the show, and that's that futures win total number that is out there for the Raiders at 8.5. That is the number. And I asked you at the top of the show, do you think the Raiders go over or under that number? 
Now, I personally think that eight and a half is is a good number. Uh, I haven't yet made up my mind. I still have a couple months before I need to do that, but I think it's a good, fair number for many reasons. Number one, I want to start with the improved division, right? You got six divisional games. Uh, We've talked about it a lot. Denver, I believe, is going to be much improved, especially on the offensive end. They had a good team these last couple of years, good defenses, plenty of weapons, good running backs, good offensive line. It all came down to terrible quarterback play. They took care of that this offseason when they brought in Russell Wilson. So I expect this team to be just as good as any other team in that division. Um, You know, talking about uh, the Chargers as well, we know that they are, uh, you know, on the brink here, just missed the playoffs a year ago. Justin Herbert, I'm a I'm a big fan of him. I think he's excellent. Um, you know, whether or not that coach can calm down a little bit and just allow his team to kind of play and not get involved and, and get in the way, really, so to speak. Um, you know about the improvements that they made on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in Khalil Mack, bringing in J.C. Jackson. Uh, I think I'm missing a couple. I know they brought in a, a, a Sebastian Joseph Day, I believe, along the defensive line. So they got... Uh, a much better defense there, and um, you know, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, you know they're going to be competitive as long as Patrick Mahomes is under center for them. They're always going to have a chance. They're going to score points. I know they lost Tyree Kill. That offense is still going to score points. Um, it's whether or not their defense. Uh, can keep them in some games here and take some of that pressure off the offense. That's going to be a big question for them. But six games against some really, really good teams, that's going to be a factor in that over-under number. Number two, we've already discussed the schedule. I think it's a very tough schedule. And, you know, I mentioned that we would get into some of the strength of schedule numbers. If you look at the traditional way to look um, strength of schedule and you look at um, – the numbers based on the previous year's win-loss records. The Raiders are the Raiders had the seventh hardest um, schedule. Okay, and that is uh, a win percentage of I believe it's five thirty-six is the number that I saw out there. Okay, um, so number seven, if you look at it that way, I prefer to look at it. Um, in, in a different way, I know some of you probably out there also prefer it this way, looking at the futures wins totals, okay? So we're talking about the number that Las Vegas believes each team will win going into the season. I think that's a better way to uh, measure uh, the, the strength of schedule because it takes into account all of the moves that were made in the offseason. The the other traditional way does not do that. It does not account for free agent signings. It doesn't account for draft picks that were brought in. It doesn't account for head coaching, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator changes. And that, of course, was a big part of the Raiders' offseason was all of those things. So that, that um, strength of schedule based on 2021, it doesn't account for that. So if you look at the Raiders' uh, strength of schedule, they rank number one with the hardest schedule in the NFL uh, based on the wins totals. It's a total of 153 and a half wins, okay, followed by Pittsburgh, Houston, Cincinnati, uh, and Detroit running out the top five. So that gives me some pause there on that number of eight and a half wins. Now, the final point that I want to make here that I believe um, gives me pause as far as eight and a half is 
and I've talked about it a lot here on the show, is how the Raiders won games last year. Yes, they won, they won 10 games. They got into the playoffs um, when a lot of people didn't believe it was possible, especially down the stretch there when things were looking pretty bleak. I've talked about it. The of Seven of the 10 Raiders wins came by a combined um, average 3.42 points. That is not exactly, you know, winning convincingly and I know that a win is a win in the NFL but when you're playing with fire you're eventually going to get burnt and it didn't happen last year they were able to um you know to win those close games and that's that's great that's a good that's a sign of a good team who can win those close tight games but is it sustainable can you expect to win close games like that overtime games games on you know walk off field goals how they were winning games in 2021 can you expect to do that again? And I don't think you can. I think they're going to have to find ways to win games uh, in, in a more convincing fashion because if you're relying on fourth quarter comebacks, uh, Daniel Carlson making field goals to win games, I, I just don't know if that's a recipe for um, consistent success. So that is another reason why I believe the the number of eight and a half is not necessarily um you know a, a sure bet now as i sit here early june we're talking otas training camp hasn't even gotten underway yet if i was forced to place a bet i would take the over if i had if i was forced to do it today uh you know, I could see the Raiders winning at least nine games, despite all the things that I just mentioned, the schedule being tougher, um, you know, strength of schedule, um, being number one in the league based on futures wins. I, I still think this team is much improved. The offense should score plenty of points. I mean, with the addition of Devontae Adams to go along with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Kenyon Drake, uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, the offensive line is going to be a big question mark, but this team should have no problem scoring points. I expect them to get after the quarterback on defense with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Uh, I, I, You know, the secondary, I, I do believe, is still a question mark. Will Trayvon Mullen stay healthy? Rocky Asin comes in now. What kind of a, a role will he have? Anthony Averett, I really like him. I think he's a sneaky good signing. Uh, but there's still some question marks here. The interior part of the defensive line, um, you know, not a lot of guys there who offer much in the pass rush department. But, you know, all these things aside, I, I would fully expect this team to win at least nine games this year. So I, if I was taking the bet right now, I'm taking the over. I'm interested, though, in what you think. So please reach out to me through uh, Twitter. Send me a DM. Reach out to me on JustPodBaby.com, the website. Uh, you can send me a message through the contact page. I'm really interested to hear what you guys, the listeners, think about this upcoming season for the Raiders. So that is what I want you to do after you finish up listening to the show. Send me a message. I'd love to discuss it with you guys off the air. All right, guys, that's all I have for you this week. As I said, we covered many different topics this week, got caught up on all that's happened in the past month. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and check out the website, sportsnot.com, as well as justpodbaby.com. And I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And until the next time, I am Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.